Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, a podcast presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars with regards to game design and publishing. This podcast has been made possible thanks to the fine folks at Double Exposure and their leading game design convention, Metatopia, from which all of these panels were recorded at Metatopia 2017. It's also thanks to the generous contributions of the panel speakers. Now let's get to the show. Episode 183, Failing Forward. Presented by Joshua Yearsley, Hannah Schaefer, and Mark Richardson. Uh, hello, everybody. Thank you for coming to the panel. This is Failing Forward. Basically, uh, talking about how we've messed up horribly in the past and how you can uh, not mess up in the future. Ever. 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 You'll never, never mess up. Mistake, no. Yeah, yeah. We don't believe you, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I don't believe you either, so. Uh, so let's introduce our panel. So we'll start with Hannah. Uh, I'm Hannah Schaefer. I'm a game designer. Um, I publish with a game design co-op called Make Big Things. We're a worker on cooperative. And everything we do, no matter who does the work, we split all the profits three ways. Um, and I'm also the marketing director for John Wick Presents, which is the company that did the 7C Kickstarter. So I get a chance to see both like ways that you can mess up on a small scale and a really, really <laughs> big scale. Uh, so that's me. Great. Uh, I'm Joshua Yearsley. Uh, I'm primarily an editor. Um, I help people make good rule books, everybody from one-person teams up to Asmodee. Um, so I've had a lot of experience with helping people who are doing games for the first time. Uh, to get their game made and helping uh, coming into teams that are uh, already very well established and trying to figure out how to uh, fit into that workflow and do the best kind of work as a freelancer because all of my work is is freelance. Uh, So again, I've seen the small, the big, and have messed up in many ways uh, in in all those contexts. So that's me. Uh, My name is Mark Richardson from Green Hat Designs. Uh, I'm a game designer uh, and a cartographer. Uh, I, my uh, main, my, well, my first published game is Headspace, which I did myself, kickstarted myself, did the whole thing kind of myself. Um, it was an uh, adventure, um, and I have an amazing story. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, I also do uh, cartog- professional cartography for a variety of different games, including the 7C game. Um, and uh, yeah, that's me. And I'm working on a new game. Wait, are you on this panel, or? Yeah. <laughs> he I is now. Sure. <laughs> I, I didn't really need a nap. I'm Joshua A.C. Newman. I'm a, also a game designer um, uh, and uh, erstwhile professor and um, illustrator, and I make lots of stuff, which means I fuck everything up. Sweet. Uh, so base, basically, the the way we we think we're going to get into this panel, we may mess up and change things midway. It's about but failure. Yeah, it's about failure. So, uh, so well, we we want to start off on we want to admit, I guess, that everybody fails. Everybody's going to fail a whole lot. Uh, what are what are in games? What are some of the ways that we can fail? Uh, like how how do we even start by like uh, uh, like what what do you do? 
to try to head off some of the inevitable failures. So like what are those failures you're looking out for and like how do you even try to begin with? I mean, one, one for me is, uh, it's what I work with a lot, is rule books. And like we all know a lot of rule books are pretty bad. Um, uh, and just, just plain having uh, just plain having the people who have done the thing a bunch of times before. If you're start if you're starting out, and you you know have a game, and you're the designer, you find people who are experienced with it in the first place. And so having the right team members, budgeting for them, uh, and going from there, just having the right people to begin with, like that's that's one thing. This is an RPG rule. It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, if you have board board games, role playing games, um, any 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 sort of thing that uh, involves rules. Um, if you're a game designer predominantly, then you might not be so interested in writing. So finding out what your strengths and weaknesses are, finding out what you're interested and passionate about, and finding other people who can fill the the other roles. So first of all, building that team. Or, or hiring that team. Like, I mean, we, especially in the publishing industry, we tend to be very small operations and often like one person. And whether you're making a card game or doing uh, a role-playing game or a board game, you know, like there's things that everybody always thinks, oh, well, you know, well, I obviously have to hire an artist, but you can hire all sorts of things. If, if running a Kickstarter is your biggest nightmare, Hire a project manager to help you on your Kickstarter. Don't make the worst thing that's going to stress you out hate you. You know, like if you don't want to manage shipping and fulfillment, go find a shipping and fulfillment company. I mean, you have to keep in mind that anytime you check off a box on these lists, you're spending money on it. But if you if you're like me and you have a day job and you have stress from that and you have stress in other points in your life, like the uh, certainly avoiding failure is people who bug out in this industry like if you if you burn out because of cumulative stress like stress you get in this job is not it, it doesn't mutually exist by itself like it stacks on everything else so if you get super stressed out you know because you take too much on um, I mean I, my big thing for for avoiding failure is uh, at least from a perspective of a one person operation is like don't take too much on don't work on multiple games at the same time. Don't like work on a thing and f oh, that's a big thing. Finish it, you know. Like that's the like the biggest failure of games is not finishing. Like otherwise, what did you do? You know, like mm -hmm. um, uh, I don't know. Um, what I have taken to doing in my creative process is assuming that everything I do is a mistake until it goes out the door and I'm willing to live with those compromises. There's no point where it feels like, I might be able to look back and say, I did a really good job. But while I'm doing it, I'm just, I just have to assume that there, at no point am I going to reach my ideal creative product. That there's this process and spinning off of this process are products and I want those to be things that I'm proud of I want to be able to look myself in the mirror every morning <clears throat> but there's no point where I can say finally it's good enough for me to publish I go along and I do all the things and I make all the corrections as I go and say 
the next thing I have to do is publish. I'm not aware of any mistakes that I've made so far. And I go forward, uh, which in all cases but one has resulted in something that has been well received and even in that case was well received as a book of which there are 2,000 or something in the world that um, has a really important missing role and I've had to go print a bunch of fucking page 38s and they <laughs> I will say of which I was an ed the editor on I, I, I uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so, so part of part of this you was, were part of this fuck yes I was part <laughs> of this <laughs> um, uh, and so the thing is like there wasn't a way for you to know it was invisible to me because I'd done this too many times I couldn't see it anymore the people who were play testing it knew the prequel to it so they were just doing it out of habit there was basically nobody in that loop who could have seen this other than if I'd said, here, people who don't have an interest in this thing, learn this game from the text and play it. It's about three hours, it'll take three of you. That's, you know, nine to 12 uh, player hours. Yeah, yeah report I'd, I'd, to me what you don't understand. But like right? every, like I mean, like in big or small companies, it doesn't matter whether you're in like the biggest of board game companies or one person operations. A lot of us are really terrible in the sense that we, the whole stream of our production environment is to get this thing done, yeah. and by that point in time, everyone, everyone down to the accountant is is intimately familiar with this product, and we can't see anything wrong with it. Like no one you can't has see it. You can't you even see it. Anymore. It's just a box, you know. Yeah, and you, yeah. and to be honest, half of the people in the building just want the box out of the building, you know. <laughs> so it, it's. Uh, I mean, one a big philosophy I always maintain is, you know, going on what you're what you're saying is, you know, perfect is the enemy of 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 the good, not good enough, the good. And you know, it, you 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 aspire for a thing to get, but you need to be like. It, it's not about being happy with a shitty product, it's being happy with a thing, except that you are not, if you aim for perfection, you'll never finish this thing. Mm -hmm. You'll never publish anything, you know? And in, in your experience, Hannah, having seen both the big and the small, does that drive for perfection look different at different scales? Like, what are the differences when you have like a gigantic, like hulking company versus a, you know, two or three person outfit? Hulking company. Yeah, hulking yeah, hulking <laughs> company. <laughs> I know. I just haven't seen what's hulking, but. Well, comparatively. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, they look, they look sort of similar. I mean, the same you learn after you make, you make your first thing, and you're like, it, it means so much to you, and it's like this little golden egg. And then you put it out, and there's a typo in the very first credit line, and you're like, fuck me. <laughs> And then you do it again because, like, a year later, you're on to your next thing, and it that that project means something totally different. Um, and so, I mean, I get to see it with my own stuff, and then I get to see it with Seven C also, where like, you know, uh, for my own stuff, I can like delay payment for myself if I need to keep working on a game for another six months, and like the only one I have to punish for that is myself. But with you know Seven C, we're like paying multiple people's livelihoods, and at some point. Um, sometimes a book does have to go to the printer and like it is it is time to say like it is time to get new world out to the backers and somewhere in here we know there is a typo and there are 11,000 people who are going to see it mm -hmm. and a number of them like a percentage of them will complain about it and 
Um, but like people got paid this month, and you know we're we're always trying our best and never wanting to rush things or do things sloppy. But like you keep iterating, and if you you know that mistake that you catch, the next time it's much less likely to happen. So you just keep making books. Yeah, it's asymptotically reduce your errors. Yeah, yeah. And so, you, you and take your you take your car to the car wash, and like five seconds later, it gets a little mud on it or it gets rained on. Really, it doesn't defeat the value of what you did. It's just it's part of the it's there. Yeah, you know. And since this is a roundtable, yeah, let's 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 or inject it. Told, maybe do, 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 do we? I'm inclined to keep them to the okay. end, just to keep the flow going. Sure. So that's okay. Um, yeah. So, so uh, speaking of like making mistakes and and figuring out how to move on from them, like, what are, you know, what are some mistakes that, that we've made? Like, what are what are some whether it's mistakes on uh, when you're you're trying to get the game made, uh, actually ma actually making the game, the production process, or getting it out to the people. Like, what are some some big hits for us? Anybody? Nobody. Nobody start first. No, no. They, they they know. I have I have the thing. So you have the thing. The, the shipping hey. fiasco. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. let me. You can follow up with the second yeah, shipping sure. fiasco. I'll talk about the first shipping yeah. fiasco. Um, so I published Mobile Frame Zero in 2012. It went smoothly as these things go. Along the way, uh, there was a dramatic political shift in our country and uh, one of the pieces of fallout were that my estimated shipping costs jumped by $12,000. It was an $82,000, I think, Kickstarter. Uh, it didn't jump by, all of a sudden my cost went up by $12,000. My intention for that $12,000 was to buy groceries. Now, what that means is that I now know, despite my squeamishness every time I've sat down and started to budget out a, a project, I now know that it is not ridiculous to say, I'm going to take all my numbers, do all my, all my homework, talk to multiple printers, and make sure that all my freelancers are lined up, whatever the thing is, and then say, and I'm off by 50%. I'm going to, or I'm off, yeah, I'm off by 50%. I'm going to increase my estimates by 50%, which seems horrible. You're like, how can I, why, how am I gonna make this much money on this. People are going to look at this Kickstarter project, if that's how you're doing it, and they say, oh, what the hell do you need this money for? They don't know what the fuck they're talking about. They don't make things. And that's the thing. For those of us who set out to make something, you know that you are, you have your, um, your, your a blindfold on in the dark, in the howl, in a howling sleep, st sleep storm, trying to walk forward in, uh, uh, to the end of the project. And you don't know what's going to go on. You're facing the future. And it's very comfortable to sit back and Armed write nasty shit onto the 7C Kickstarter page. Uh, mm. But the, the, our society has endeavored to make everything that we do as creators look cheap and at, like a commodity. And it's not. We're handling a bunch of unpredictable things uh, that if people want any of the things that we're making, we need to be telling them shipping costs went up by $12,000. In fact, and I said this, I, I said this to my backers, I was like, there's just this dramatic shift, anything you can do to help would help. And people showed up with another $2,500, which is great, because I still had to, still gonna eat those other $10,000. But $2,000 is, you know, it's a lot of cereal. So, so you're, you're building in, you're saying, Okay, I know I know things are going to go wrong. So from the on the very foundation, yeah, like right. in the numbers, I'm going to account for that in a line of just, yep, things happen. And the yep. failure mode is 
the failure mode is that that year, that project, which took me a year to do, and I don't have a day job, uh, that year I would have made, oh, let's call it $30,000. Like that was my big plan, was that I was gonna make $30,000 that year, right? So it's not, it, it looks from the outside like you're making money doing something you like, and then people start to resent that, and uh, they are wrong too. <laughs> Uh, and uh, so you just have to be able to look at being able to squeak by. And if you do better than squeak by, hooray, you're still not fucking getting rich. So keep yourself alive as a creator. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, I mean, I budgeted the shit out of Headspace. I had help from Mark, Mark Diaz Truman, who's the one of the leads at uh, John Wick Presents, to help me, like, budget this and figure it out. And I had a spreadsheet for, I had so many spreadsheets. But it was very clear, and I had it, everything costed out. And, you know, that's great. And it, and it buffered. If I hadn't done that, there would have been all sorts of spectacular stuff that, that went that went against me. But instead, you know, the Canadian dollar that had been coasting along at worth a quarter for like three freaking years. I'm from Canada. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and then right around when oil bottomed out, that was when my kick, that was after my Kickstarter ended, but before I got money, right? So like basically during my Kickstarter, that happened. And so during my Kickstarter, everything in my, like as a Canadian, so, all of my production, uh, like everybody who wrote for me, did art for me, edited for me, um, uh, all of those people are paid in, everyone's paid in US dollars. So pretty well. And the one saving grace I had, haha, I was like, this is gonna be my saving bacon, is like the one thing I control is I can print in Canada and then just ship down, and that shouldn't be too bad. And that would that would the big unknown was was this production quality was the was the shipping, and I could like well that's in Canadian dollars, so I won't lose a quarter on that, or and, and that was like the, the beginning plan, right? Anyway, and then oil went, and Canada's dollar went, and I was like wow, and I mean it crept up. You didn't really think about it, but it's like you know. Losing five cents on the dollar when you have a thirty thousand dollar Kickstarter, mm -hmm. you know, nickels is a lot of nickels. It's a, it's a lot of nickels. You know, it stacks up. You know, and it's all those. It's death by a thousand paper cuts. And um, I mean, uh, like in terms of, uh, I don't know. If, should I share it? I'll just share the big terrible thing. So the the. Is that where we're doing terrible we, things? Yet? I mean, we can probably wrap, wrap that. It's probably a whole another topic. So let's 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 terrible. wrap back around to the the shipping thing. Uh, but like, uh, yeah, like I mean, the, the you you can plan a lot, and then there are things there are like known unknowns, right? You know, black swans. You know, you should you should write them down. Like if you're really dependent on the exchange rate, write it down and and go like. If it's always at 25 cents, budget your whole Kickstarter. Like, I would do it now, I would budget for another 5 cents. I'd be like, everything is costing 30 cents. I don't care. If it turns out I make profit at the end, golden. But I have friends who have done, who did Kickstarters and the, and the, the dollar switched badly on them a couple of years back, and they lost 30% of their profit margin, which was basically everything. So it was like, hey, I had this really successful Kickstarter and I lost money. Yeah. Just like a a pers a personal failure and what you've personal catastrophe, personal failure and what you've learned from it. Yeah, you know, fortunately, I I've had enough people come before me whose crises crisis that I've been mm -hmm. able to watch. I mean, like I watched you know Joshua deal with his shipping nightmare with Mobile Firm Zero. I watched Mark's 
um, books arrive in shreds, um, and so, you know some things you can control and some things you can't. So budgeting in, yeah, those every year are the the margin of error that we calculate gets higher, um, and yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Uh, there are all sorts of these unknown unknowns that uh, we have when we're making and we're we're shipping a game. Uh, what about what about like when we're making a game? Like how 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 is our process of like making games changed over time? Like how do we cope with failure? Like what do we define as failure in making games? And how do we move forward? And how do we choose to let a design go? Like what's our uh, how we evolved in that way. Well, for some reason, everybody's looking at me. I just don't want to answer. I, I, have, a I have a great answer, so so they can tell. Um, I just I'm publishing a role playing game called The Bloody Handed Name of Bronze. I'm frightfully proud of it. It's everything that I've always wanted to do as a role playing game. It's fast. It's simple. It's creative. <clears throat> and play is creative. I started the first. Thing, the first part of it that I published was for PAX East three years ago. It was a business card size game. I knew if I made, made it so that I had to have these in my pocket, I mean, I could keep a hundred of them in my pocket or something like that, uh, for this deadline, and then I could sell them, then I would have made something that I would be able to build on top of. The next year, or maybe it was here a couple months later, something like that, I had a second part of it. Those two eventually I combined into a little book. That book has now had three little editions. It's a little, it's like a pulp magazine size thing. It's about this big, 16 pages long. Um, and every time I do a print run of, uh, what did I just do? Of, uh, it's 25 copies. It comes in sets of sets of four books. So I just did a print run of 100, <coughs> 100 books, and I just went through and everything. I've been playing it a bunch. I, everything where something wasn't working right, I could see why it wasn't working right. At this point, I'm down to a, a rule is phrased backwards or whatever. Like I'm I'm well into this, but it started off like this rule badly doesn't do. Like this is an abusive rule because of the way I wrote it. So I have to go sit down and diagram out these possibilities and work it out and in the next version it I rephrased that rule so it was no longer uh, abusive in the way there was it wasn't designed to be that way it was a quirk of the way that I'd written it uh, so at this point it's been two little business cards and three booklets now I'm intending to make this into an art book um, it's gonna have heavy illustrations, it's going to have short stories, it's going to have the rules sort of embedded into it. Uh, that final thing is, it's going to be expensive. Like, I'm, I'm actually a little bit worried that the economy has shifted in a way that where I can't do this project anymore. I'll have to think about it a different way. But I've just been producing this thing and selling it at, selling small things at a profit for three years now until I have a really good handle on it. And there's no reason to not go out to people and say, I'm working on this thing. Here's what I'm working on. If you don't want me to starve and not be able to finish it, <coughs> excuse me, then give me your five dollars or whatever thing comes to. Um, and I'm also doing this with a second edition of my role-playing game, Shock, which is 12 years old at this point, quite long in the tooth, and it's the way that it thinks about some things. 
And my Patreon is designed so that, actually right now I'm literally every month writing an essay about mistakes that I've made with the game. Usually not knowing that they were. It's just 12 years of, of retrospective. Looking at this thing and figuring out what does it do? What does it fail to do? What does it do well? What have other people done better in the time since I've written it? And it's an extremely useful process uh, that I would hope in the next year or so results in a second edition of this game that I know has some really avid fans but would have more if it was a better game. So creating these little increments where it's like, okay, well, I'm going to I'm going to do this much, yeah. see how people respond, see what the failures are, and then just really kind of committing to that iterative approach. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely committing to iteration where each one is the best I can do for a project that I'm working on for a week. Yep. Awesome. Um, yeah, Hannah, um, so uh, like we're, we're, we're talking about like uh, failures when designing games, you know, fi figuring out where to go from those failures and like, uh, I mean, we're all obviously at a playtesting convention here. Um, and so we're all bringing these incomplete, uh, incomplete things to have other people give input on. And uh, so it's this, this process of constantly like receiving feedback, interpreting it, and generating something new. Um, and I know that your experiences with how to kind of take in feedback and like what feedback means to you sort of changed over time. So I'm wondering if you can talk any more about that, that sort of process for you. Yeah, I'm curious who's, is anybody here playtesting a game for the first time? Like, cool, okay. Um, so I think that one thing when I was playtesting games really early on, you know, you get so much, you run your game and then you're like, what did you think? Or whatever is the question that you ask. Um, and you get a lot of different types of feedback and, you know, sometimes you'll have like 50% of the players or maybe all the players in that playtest are like, uh, this thing that was green, I think it should be blue. And you're like, oh, that's really good. Okay, okay. Uh, and then you go and you're like, all right, I'm going to change the, the green to blue. And then you run the next playtest and the players are like, Thing that was green, I think it should be red, um, or whatever it is. And you're like, oh my god, that's like, you know, what what information? Like, I'm totally like you fracture. Um, and so early on, I had this experience of responding, like pivoting based on individual types of feedback instead of themes and feedback, um, which I think is a really reasonable response because that's the way you respond when you want to like be, I don't know, empathetic to people's experiences. Like, oh, this person had this experience of my game, and so I'm going to pivot to it. Um, but being patient enough to like see themes over time, um, you know, eventually you're like, oh, people actually like it sparkles, whatever, and then you do sparkles. Finding I do sparkles. That's finding the that's comes around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so finding the themes instead of, you know, responding to each, you know, individual change, um, which is just good advice in general. I mean, talking about failures and crisis mitigation and stuff, just, you know, sort of patiently waiting for the themes before responding to every single bit of feedback. Yeah. Thinking that something needs to change. Yeah, this is this is actually something that I think about a lot because as an editor, um, when we put like a rule book out into the world for people to look at, you know, we're getting we're getting along and making the game, and like we have something laid out and it's not like final, but it's getting close, and we put the rule book out there. Um, quite often, what can happen is you get you know hundreds and hundreds of people all just adding like, okay, well there's this thing here, there's this thing here, this thing here, and it can just get 
like in 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 my seat, like looking at this like tidal wave of feedback coming toward me, um, it can it can be more uh, uh, more stressful and harmful for my mental health and just for the 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 end product. Then it can be helpful. And so, understand like clearly defining to the people that you are uh, asking feedback from, like it's it's. The thing you don't want to do is say, here's a thing, just say anything you want. <laughs> you want to say, here's a thing, this is what I'm looking for from you. Because if you don't specify what, you're, what you care about, then you're just going to get so many different things at once that you can't even handle it anymore. Um, and whether that's at the playtesting stage, you know, you could, the sort of stuff that you're looking for at an early playtest versus a late playtest is going to be different. And the stuff you're looking for during production is going to be different from the design playtesting earlier. So, like, a way to not get overwhelmed and over becoming overwhelmed, I found, is my number one way of, of failing. Um, the way to not get overwhelmed is to s specify exactly what you want from the people who are helping and you. And what you don't want. And what you don't want. Because there's exactly. times when I'll say, do not tell me anything about formatting. I'm not at that stage, mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know. Don't, don't tell me to indent this. Yep. I mean, on the, on the other side, I would say also, like, I kind of have no idea what you're talking about because, mm -hmm. because like as a solo, like not working in a company, like, yep. you, like speaking from a non-Evil Hat, non-John White kind of thing, mm -hmm. like, you know, my experience is that you, if you have a, uh, like I had about, I don't know, seven or eight hundred backers for my, my Kickstarter, which was really good for my first project, and mm -hmm. I was really, it was very successful. Uh, Any time that I sent out my a draft iteration for comment, you know, I would get maybe I'd rock one email back, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, you know, if you're, if you're doing like, you know, a smaller indie project, you're, uh, if you don't have like, a, like you have, you've been doing games for a long time, so you have like people who follow your work. And I mean, I, I see that more now where like people are interested in what I'm doing with my second game. So I, I get things, but you know, or uh, I actually, I mean, I got an email a couple of months ago. I didn't even know what to do with. And the, my book had been out for like a year and I got an email and it was, I don't have a word document of everything that this every typo error in my entire core text. Like like we're talking a lot of work. And I'm like I, I looked at it and I'm like, I haven't asked for this. I don't mm -hmm. even know who this person is. That that they're like, these are things that you could adjust in the next iteration of this game. And I'm like I'm like in my head, I'm like, yeah, I'm planning on doing a reprint next year, but I, I, it's expensive and pain in the, it's a pain in the ass to crack open the digital version of my book. I barely want to touch the the, the the rear cover text, you know? Yeah. Um, so you, you, uh, you know, pick your battles, but you know, like it, it, it the, the, my, my, my feeling is, is also like if the entire, if you are planning on making the, I'm going to make major revisions of my game based on final feedback, you might not get any, you know? So be, you know, plan for that possibility and and you know like if your expectation is my the the you know because at the end of the day a lot of times especially in a kickstarter environment i bought your game i don't want to do your work you know i'm busy you know or if you're like me when i like i back all sorts of friends and kickstarters and creative work like every kickstarter email i have ever gotten has gone into it just clogs my gmail and i i, I don't know like i i hope i hope to be surprised by a wonderful product down the road mm -hmm. you know i don't even remember what i backed you know um, but it, like it's, I have a totally different interaction with that though. Like, um, and that's the thing. Everybody interacts with Kickstarters and things like this in different ways. You will get people who back your product and follow it incredibly enthusiastically and 
they're there to to uh, cheer you on all the way through, mm. you know? And you also get people who feel it's that they are God's gift to editing your game yeah. at well, every... Yeah, that's that's the other dimension. And you, you figuring out who among your fans... Like, s- separating the super fans who can actually uh, provide help. useful feedback and help and people who are the the, the vocal... Like, the, 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 the fans who are pushy about what it should be rather than trying to see what you are creating and trying to help you do that. But also like to go with the playtesting thing you were saying, like I think one of the things that you really need to do is have a very have a clear vision statement of what you want this game to be. Because one of the things that I have found is valuable as I've gone forward with designs is going, yeah, that's a really neat idea, but that's not the game I'm making, you know, and you know, sometimes that's helpful even to tell people because they're like, and then you might even communicate that earlier on. Like, this game is about blank, you know? So things that are about this experience are not necessarily important in this game, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and so one, once we, like, so we, we occasionally will have this problem that is, like, sometimes we can plan for problems and then solve them. Uh, sometimes we find a problem that comes from an un- unknown unknown and we solve them. But what happens when like there's a, a true crisis where we actually have to go to our fans and say, okay, this thing is happening. Um, please don't take all of your money away from us. Uh, when a crisis is really brewing, how do you deal with that at that point? Like, how, how, do, you, how do you go out to your fans and do damage control in the best way possible? Um, yeah. I'm going to say communication. Um, and so John Wick Presents um, used to just be John Wick, uh, who's this guy who's been making games for years. And then uh, they were in 7C. It was the first Kickstarter to ever, the first RPG Kickstarter to ever break a million dollars, which is great and horrible. It is like the worst thing that could happen to you is that your Kickstarter makes a million dollars when you weren't expecting it. Um, and one thing that happened is suddenly it went from being this guy to a company that was putting out like 10 different 300 page books in a year. Um, and all of these new people had to get hired. Um, and one of the things that happened was that there was an old Kickstarter project called Curse of the Yellow Sign. Maybe some of you are backers. Um, uh, that had reached a stretch goal that unlocked this book that's like this cool Cthulhu storybook. Um, and in the chaos of this amazing project, this stretch goal never got made. Um, when I got hired and started to look back through sort of the backlog of things that had to get dealt with, I saw a bunch of people who were really upset because like, there was this new project that had been a total success and this other project that they had been on as early fans that looked like it had been totally abandoned. Um, and nobody at the company was trying to be malicious. It was just literally what happened in the switch from one guy to now like, you know, 10 people and like 20 artists and freelancers. Um, and the answer was just communicating with people. Like I came in, I sent a backer update that was like, we had this big transition and something awful happened and we let you all down. And now we're working on like figuring out a new schedule to make this better. The thing still hasn't been delivered. Um, and every month we end up pushing back the schedule and every month I send a backer update letting people you know, know what's happened, giving them the option to pull their money and get a refund. Um, 
and it, I hate writing those updates every month, um, but you know everybody's working on it. We have you know different graphic designers that we're training all the time, and and my job is just like once a month I log in and I check in and I see you know where's this thing at, and everybody's like we're still working on it. We're really sorry, and I let the backers know. But the difference between letting them know and that like year that went by where they didn't know, um, we could have kept a lot of people if we had let them know in that time. So that's always my example. It's just like. Keep talking. It's really hard. It's awkward. I hate it, but like, yeah, yeah. Get a new identity. Have a passport. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Move, Move to my like. I mean, for me, like, uh, my my elephant story is that when I was doing, like, I decided to print at home, which saved me a lot of money, and my printing prices were, were well, my soft cover printing prices were good, and I got completely completely screwed over my hard cover price. I won't even tell the numbers because it'll like it'll kill publishers in the room. It was bad. Anyway, uh, I didn't care at that point. I just, I just wanted the books out. And uh, so I had a thousand offset print books printed because I had like 670 books going to backers. So I was like, I needed to print a thousand just to have any books left over to sell. Um, and Which was great because I got the offset goal. I got a higher quality product as a print snob. This was great. And uh, I, the, the books printed and they were gorgeous. They were absolutely amazing. And so I decided I would take 500 of those books, or sorry, 400 of those books, and I got them delivered to my home, and they were fantastic, and my plan was then to have those as my stockpile for doing things in Canada and cons or whatever I needed. And then for fulfillment, I got Magpie Games, and they, they would take the stock, and they had international FedEx deals of very good, very good rates, so there wasn't major fluctuations in, in, in those markets, whereas I, like if I had shipped myself, I would, it would be insane. Um, and like 90% of my market is in the US, so you know, it has to come down here, period. So, uh, but now I had to get, you know, 600 books from Ottawa down to Magpie, which is in uh, New Mexico. In, in New Mexico. So this is like 4,000 kilometers away. Now, this isn't the end of the world in logistics and shipping. And I, the company I was dealing with was a very big company, very big printing company in Ottawa. They do a lot of big, huge, multi-million dollar things. But this was my problem, and I didn't realize this until later. Um, uh, and so they were, they shipped it. They they spent, they fired it off in FedEx, and uh, you know, uh, six days went by, and and the books arrived. And I'm expecting all these great things, and I get a phone call, not an email. And uh, Mark, that's when you know it's bad. Yeah, Mar Mark, Mark, we have a problem. And so the, the, it was shipped in 16 boxes. They were overweight and poorly packed. Um, uh, the, uh, my, um, well, the best way of saying it is several FedEx boxes arrived. Um, the FedEx didn't ship this. Um, uh, uh, about four or five boxes arrived in bags. Uh, of, six, of these 600 softcover books um, and 100 hardcover books, uh, there was a 100% write-off. Every single book was damaged enough. Like, because when you buy something, you expect a brand new book. Like, if it's chipped and stuff and scuffed up, and so the books were poorly packed, so they did this, mm -hmm. and they, uh, it was just mauled. It was a destruction derby. Uh, <laughs> so then, so the thing is, you have to understand, though, like, you're, uh, the shipping is nothing to do with my company. The printing is nothing to do with my company. But now I have to go back to my printer and work with them to have them be proved that this happened even, right? Because they don't even believe that it was 100% right. They all like dug their heels in and were like, well, you did a fine job and all this other stuff, right? Um, it was obviously just something that a Titanic screw up in circumstances or whatever. This was the thing. And so uh, 
there was a lot of things I could have done. I could have just not communicated. I could have walked away. Uh, up until then, I'd been sort of been doing every two week updates with my Kickstarter backers. And basically, after I had like one day of sort of shell shock state, um, I wrote up a lengthy email, including videos of the damages and uh, photos, and said, "This is what happened in its entirety." You know, um, so you know, uh, plans are being worked on, and then it was like weekly updates to my backers. This is what's going on. Printer has uh, the printer has agreed uh, to eat it and 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 do a, a reprint. Uh, so the printer did a reprint of 600 prints plus overruns, printer, uh, and, and then they did the hardcovers again. And in this time, because I was super critical with them, uh, I had my middle agent, uh, the, my liaison guy, he was like, okay. So I went with him and I was like, this is the point you do damage control. You, you drop your eyes and cross your T's, right? So I had control over this guy and I'm like, I want you to sign off on this shit before, because he had experience, so I'm like, you you look at what that is before it goes. Mm -hmm. So he wrote on the printing and shipping instructions that he had to sign off on it before it went. So they did this for the hardcovers. He looked at them and he made he stood over them when they did their packing, so it was perfect. It was a holiday weekend, and they wanted to rush it out, so they didn't call him, and they shipped the 600 books. Um, the 100 hardcovers arrived pristine and perfect. The 600 books were pulp. Uh, they poorly packed them. Like I'm kidding you not. They, uh, they I have unboxing things where they like they the receiving end. They just cut open the exacto knife, open it up, and you can take your hand and go like this around the books. Hmm. And they just went 4,000 kilometers, so the books were just gone. And of course, at this point, they had they had done. 1200 two separate offset print runs so at this point the printing company has spent about nine thousand dollars on this job uh they're in the hole my shipper is has all this shit in their warehouse they have now like 800 books all of this stuff is stacking up so i keep communicating with everyone i keep telling everybody what's going on uh everyone is baffled like everyone's like well this doesn't have like no one and the printer was abstinent but because there was that missing sign off they were kind of like I was kind of like listen you, you had this instruction and didn't do it so basically fuck you but that doesn't change anything I can be as angry as I want with the printer and if I still want my books there I still didn't have my books you know and I had given them all this money so I had no more money to print anywhere else mm -hmm. um, so eventually we discussed and the amount of overruns that they had from the two print jobs equated to everything short of about a hundred of the total books and then I told them, okay, you will give those to me. You're not shipping anything. <laughs> and I believe what the problem was, I figured this out in post, but is they were do, used to doing big multi-million dollar things, which means you have flats of things on books and it's all bound down. But they shipped, they, they were packing like it was going on a, a flat, but then sending individual boxes, which means they had a bit, little bit of jiggle going on. You know, like that acceptable volume of failure was way too high. Whereas I took nine boxes, put it on, I spent the extra $100, I had to set up shipping, and oh, geez, NAFTA forms. Because if it's over $1,000 of shipping, once it, the interesting thing is NAFTA doesn't care if it's $1,000 of shipping or $10 million, it's the exact same amount of paperwork. So I had to do customs forms, I had to get a, a broker, I had to spend $140 in brokerage fees, I had to have... Uh, sh extra shipping fees that I paid. So I've already paid, my printer has been paid money to do the shipping in the first place. 
and I then had to pay $1,100 to Perlator to ship this down and get it done. So I'm out of the whole epic, right? And so money is stacking up, and that's the point. Really, you just but you clear. And I actually sent. I did backer updates were spreadsheets of this is how much money I have spent. This is how much I'm in the hole. This is where things are. Yes, it's bad. So you understand. But you know, at the ultimate point, like I got it redone. I fulfilled. Everybody got their their books. And I'm actually mostly out of my books now, and I have to do a reprint. So it sounds, it sounds, won't be with them. Sounds like we're saying be transparent, yeah. trust but verify. Mm -hmm. and uh, Things when, are out of your control, though. Mm -hmm. you know? and, but don't panic. Yeah. Like, panic for a day, and then go get your shit done. Yep. You know? And don't respond in the middle of the panic. No, 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 no. I want to leave. I do want to leave time for questions. Yeah. Yeah. I actually really, I, I want, because we're talking a lot about logistics, yep. and I want to yep. talk about a creative. Mistake. Go. Yeah, sure. So in Intercept Orbit, which is the one with the stupid fucking missing rule, the, um, uh, I was just about ready. Like, I was, I had done my whole Kickstarter. That was long in the past. I was sending PDFs of the rule set out. Nobody was noticing that this rule was missing the entire time. Uh, and continue not to. And I started to notice, like, players weren't noticing this happening because it wasn't happening enough to single players, but I was noticing among the people who were going out with these PDF rules and playing that this particular set of circumstances was arising way more often than it was supposed to arise. And it makes the game fucking awful. From over here, from 30,000 feet up, I'm watching this game fail in a quarter of the games. As in, you play for an hour, everybody loses their ability to make meaningful strategic decisions, and the game becomes random from that point. It is a terrible design mistake. And I, it threw me into a deep depression about whether or not, uh, uh, I was all wrapped up in whether or not I was actually capable of designing this game. Uh, it took me something like six or eight months to, I couldn't even look at my text, I was so fucking freaked out about it. Finally, I said, I have to do, I have to get this fucking thing out the door. And I looked at my text and looked through and went, wait, I see what's happening. This four should be a three. No, yeah, this four should be a three. <laughs> that was the problem, is that it was literally just, this probability isn't quite right. I had miscalculated how often this circumstance would come up. And that meant that all of a sudden these probabilities, which I was like, well, yeah, I mean, these probabilities are whatever it is, it was a four. So it was supposed to be one in three. Oh, it should be a half chance. It should be a 50% chance because the circumstances in which you need those, need, the, need that to come up a hit, comes up 50% more often than I thought. And it took me, it took me months of not being able to look at my text and an utter creative personal crisis and still, I said, I, like, I owe these people these things. I'm running out of money very quickly here. I'm eating it. And I just sat down and went through my text. And it turns out I am a game designer. So I could be like, why did I make that a four? That should have been a three. And I, in theory, could have given myself six or eight months of my life back. Uh, but sometimes that's what it takes. Not, not like I, I had sort of panicky decisions about what I, not decisions, panicky possibilities that came through my mind as I was seeing this happen. Uh, and had I been able to look at it clearly, I may have been able to resolve it much, much sooner. Uh, but had I made decisions while in that depressed and panicked state, I'm sure it would have been a, I mean, it was literally that four should be a three. 
I would not have been able to see clearly through to these probabilities aren't right. It would have, I was unable to clearly perceive what I'd done. Yeah, so perceive when you're not in a state to fix the problem. Yeah. 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 All right, questions. Let's jump right into it. I know we had at least one. Yes? Um, I've been doing book publishing for a lot of years and used to have the pallets of books show up in my driveway, but I've switched everything now to print on demand because it's very cheap. Yeah. Uh, and I, but it doesn't appear, or it doesn't sound like print on demand is happening in the game world. It does to a degree. Like, I have a lot of friends who do POD. Um, it varies on what you're doing and how many, like, so it's, so with the Kickstarter model, you're selling a lot of, it, assuming you do well with a Kickstarter, like, say, let's say you said you're pushing, like, six, seven hundred units, you can, like, you, your per unit cost is way lower if you do, like, a thousand books right at once, right? And so there's an incentivization to, like, I'll print a thousand books, 700 of them out will go out in the Kickstarter, and then I have 300, then I'm maintaining a little bit of stock, right? I do know friends who just, they don't maintain inventory at all. They, if they go to a con, they order a hundred books, and they're done, right? You know, and it, it varies, and, and uh, tax law is very different in inventory in Canada and in, in the U.S., um, and, and like, like a night and day. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, like, it, it, like it, there's definitely a, a trend of doing the, the POD. Um, I think it, the other thing that's tricky with, with print-on-demand is um, the outputs, especially in the RP world, like, depending if you do, like, lightning source and things like this, like, there's different, there's a lot of different providers and there's very inconsistent results. And so the problem with a lot of times is if you do POD, like do you PO, do you have it do you have it print on demand and sent directly to the person? In which case you have no control over quality, so somebody can just get shit in the mail, but you're still responsible for that, right? Or do you do like a, you know, like I, I in my feeling like for Kickstarters, people should plan for print on demand. So like if your Kickstarter doesn't do well, you know, and you only need to print 100 books, like do a print 250 books and see what happens, you know, like the, um, there's nothing wrong with print on demand. I, I mean, I know like really big companies like, you know, like, like John Wick did 20,000 full color hardcovers for 7C, you know, I mean, which is ridiculous, you know, I mean, and at that point you're, you're printing in like China, really. Well, I didn't think that, I don't think they did that though. Is there, are there PODs for, I mean, are there companies doing POD for card games and yeah, and that's yeah, and that's where that's where it actually is more interesting. In books, I mean, it might seem like POD. I mean, POD has definitely gotten cheaper, and the quality has gone up. Yeah, but the quality is still much lower than Offset, and it still costs three to six times as much. And if uh, that's your job, that that matters a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything to add, Hannah? If not, like, yeah, go to no, the next cards, no, card, card. There is some really good card printing though now, which is like the card POD is as good outputs as, in a lot of ways as. I mean, it's not as good, but yeah. no, there's some that are amazing. So, some, gonna, some of them I'm, are really good. I'm gonna move. I'm gonna yeah, move yeah, to yeah. the next right. question. Yep. Yeah, I'm interested in, in the creative side of things. You talked sure. a lot about uh, fulfillment. And yeah, sorry. Shared your uh, favorite creative mistake that you learned from. Mm -hmm. uh, I was wondering, Hannah, or. Uh, uh, all of you, if mm -hmm. you had one of your own that you wanted to share. 
Favorite creative mistake? So uh, I'm, I'm going to share one of my, <laughs> I made yeah. one game uh, and it's um, about a, a seance uh, and um, so you want to have a connection with the person that you lost and the feedback from uh, one of my designer friends was, well there is no connection there, you need to have a scene in there and that saved the game and I wasn't aware of that before the first playtest and that was the reason the first playtest went. I came to Metatopia, it worked, I was really happy with the game but it would have been a broken game without that feedback. Do you have something that's that's similar to yeah. that that I, really I made want. me learn how to listen to, to people and how to um, how to approach that kind of feedback? Yeah, I, you know, I'll say, and this is also how my playtesting has changed over time. Um, I I find it really important to listen to people's experience of what what they felt like was missing uh, or didn't feel right in a game, and that's I mean that's saved games that I'm working on again and again, almost universally bad to listen to people's suggestions about how to fix it. Um, but we could do an entire panel on that. We, so we I actually think, are. Yes, yeah. Actually, Joshua and I are on a panel <laughs> yeah. about that tomorrow. Um, but yeah, but you know, listening that people are really good at their like intuitive experience of a feeling of like, like, yeah, the, you know, there was no emotional connection. Once it gets into giving you suggestions at the table of the mechanic, just Move on. Yeah. But, yeah. The, the, other, the other side of that coin is also, I think the, the other thing that people are good at is the very end of the road where it's like, all right, my design is done, but if, if like something about actually playing the game is weird, where it's like, I don't understand how, like, I, I didn't realize that like this graphic design meant that. Just like the, er, the plain ergonomic, like, icons are weird or like I didn't understand where I was supposed to put something like those very simple just like I don't know how to get from point A to point B things is also another place where people are good at. Well one thing that I found was like a really interesting observation I found uh, and I've seen this in a lot of other designs is this is from a role-playing thing is lots of people hack other systems which is a great idea because you don't have to rethink the whole wheel there's an established fan base uh, and you can make your own game with it that's great but a lot of people, when they do this, including me, you keep things from that core thing that have no place in your game. They are there because they were in Powered by the Apocalypse. They have nothing to do with my goals. Like, not every game needs a health mechanic. Not every game needs a harm mechanic. It, you don't need them always, you know? But, pe the, you know, like, you just have them there, and, and they hang out. In, in that backspace of the design, and they're just kind of always there. And I was like the Gen Con after my Kickstarter, and somebody was like, you know, well, harm doesn't really seem representative, like it just seems there. And I'm like, you're right. And then it was like, get rid of harm and do a different thing. And it was way, way cooler, you know? And, and, and so like, I find like, when, you're, when you are creating things with things that other people have, like, you're making your game, not their game. So if you make a, hack of fate or powered by apocalypse it's your game then yeah you know it's not a failure to just say this big yeah. piece is just yeah, yeah you, you can blow off there's things you probably shouldn't blow off but there's a lot of things that you can just just real quick uh what was that panel you're doing tomorrow critique it's is it 10 in the morning oh i'll check the name i don't know we'll get back we'll get back to you yep do you have any other experiences share in terms of play tests i mean i, I like what you said about you know, listen to what they're feeling, but don't listen to their um, suggestions. Yes. suggestions. Any other experiences about the hope? Because uh, we're in play test right now, mm -hmm. in the yeah. card-based game, and uh, so any other 
avoidance or bad I mean, experiences? We'll come to the, we're, the, we're gonna talk about this for an hour <laughs> tomorrow. Um, oh. I mean, the, the, but the, I mean, basically you want to, th that stuff that Hannah said is, I mean, that, that's, that's becoming really common wisdom at this point is nobody has good suggestions. They don't know what you're trying to do. And, but they're, they're the best reporting of their experience. Yeah, and to wrap back around on an earlier point, just make sure that the people playing know what you want. What, like what I actually do with a lot of those things when people give you suggestions uh, is I, like I, I'll keep a book from like say Metatopia and I, when somebody says, this game needs more samurai, whatever, uh, I write down in my book, does this game need more samurai, <laughs> question mark, <laughs> right? And, I, and I, so I put everything in the form of a question. I don't put people's names. I don't even put what play test it was. And I just build up this list of questions about my game. Mm. And then I put it away, and like three weeks after the con, I pull it out and I look at this list. And yeah, 90% of my answers are your nuts, or no, or this isn't my game. But every now and then you see a thing and you're like, hmm, I don't know. Like, I never thought about this. Why know? did and seven people ask if it needed more yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Like, and, and, you know, and that's the other thing. Like, when you're playtesting, it's the iterative, uh, you do three or four playtests over a con, and consistently uh, you get similar... Um, I wasn't... In, like, fun is a useless vector. Engagement is, is in my mind. Like, if, if you want to have a communicative language is, you know, are they engaging with what's going on? Uh, especially in a playtest, because it's it's raw, you know. Like, I'm hoping everyone will be engaged in my playtest tonight. I'm not honestly. I don't actually care if they have fun, you know, because um, <laughs> fun is entirely separate experiences, you know, for everybody else. Anyway, we have time for like one more question. So, in terms of like failure, um, my, what's what's in my mind right now is is rushing. Like uh, mm -hmm. you just mentioned, a three week time frame. Okay, I wouldn't. And what I'm doing right now is just like I, I feel like I have to do 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 do. I would I would say that you know right after this whole thing, I'm going to go back in three days, go through everything, and say, okay, these are all the edits I want made in the game, and let's 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 do it. And and this this pause you're talking about of, of taking a step back of three weeks before you go back to it, you know, seems like man, I'm never going to get this done. Then if 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 I do that, you know, I want this on Kickstarter tomorrow. You know, or I want this, you know, at least this year. Yeah. And so that's what I'm... It's November. Don't do a Kickstarter this year. <laughs> <laughs> All because right. then you'll have your money, and you'll be taxed on your money, and then you won't have your money to do your project. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> do, it, do it, yeah, so you get the money. January. January. Yeah. The, right, the, right. the, the... Uh, and for Christmas, everyone's broke. So yeah. Everyone <laughs> yeah. Um... The nice thing about having people to help you is that uh, you can give yourself the space for your brain to reset while somebody else is doing something essential. So like if you need time, the, the natural time to, to like let something kind of congeal and integrate in your mind, but something else important can happen, figure out if you can do that other thing or if somebody else on your team can do that other thing so that you're still moving forward in a way, but you still give yourself that time yeah. to... Yeah, so like put the question thing, right? Like I put the questions away for three weeks. I kept working on my thing, you know? It's just I was like, okay, all this other advice or ideas, you know? Uh, the only other thing I would say is, uh, especially at early play tests, don't let anyone walk away with anything they wrote on. Like, like, like if you give them character sheets, keep those character sheets because they're gonna write things on them. Uh, I think I tried this morning, which was a lot of- So much that shit in my head. 
Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> but it, but it is helpful, you know. Um, a thing I tried this morning because I'm I, I don't even have character sheets yet was I just gave people blank sheets and we started playing around with it and people started to write down what they thought was important based on what I was telling them, and that starts to educate what a sheet maybe should look like or something. I'm doing a whole thing on worksheets later, but awesome. Any other questions? I think that we are just about. It is six oh one, so. Uh, doesn't seem like anybody's rushing in. But yeah, yeah. Thanks, yeah. We can also keep, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If any, anybody who wants to stick around, yeah. business cards too. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah I just wanted to stress what you say at 11 a.m. Somewhere. Mm -hmm. Hire an editor. So even if you're a one-person team, yep. uh, yeah. that was the best decision.